Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, March 19th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Asian Americans still reeling after a gunman kills eight in Georgia, including six Asian women. The shooting spurring debate over hate crimes as the president and vice president offer solace to a grieving community. Two major immigration bills passing the Democratic-led House, offering hope to TPS holders, dreamers, and immigrant farm workers. But can the measure survive a vote in the Senate? And the CDC issuing major new guidelines about social distancing in schools, as an alarming number of states see a rise in hospitalizations and deaths. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. New developments following the deadly shootings in Atlanta area spas that left eight people dead, including six Asian women. Authorities revealing new surveillance video and saying hate crime charges are not off the table. This as President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris visit Georgia to meet with members of the Asian American community. Today, police releasing these new surveillance images from outside the first shooting location in the Atlanta suburbs. The man authorities have charged with murdering eight people, six of them Asian women, is seen getting in and out of his car. Authorities believe the suspect purchased the gun used in the vicious slayings just hours before he allegedly carried out the brutal and deadly attacks. Meanwhile, flowers, candles and handwritten notes now lie just outside the crime scenes. Mourners and officials coming out to remember the lives lost. This doesn't happen in our community and this is a shock to all of us. Uh, I wanted to let the Asian American community know that we have them in our hearts and our prayers, and we're so sorry for that loss of life. Emily Tan was the owner of Young's Asian Massage Parlor north of the city. She was one of the first to die. Today would have been her 50th birthday, but she did not live to see it. I can't put any reasoning behind why somebody would want to do something so horrific to such, such nice people. At the White House, flags flying at half-staff in honor of the victims. This as President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris visit Atlanta, where they are meeting with Asian American leaders at Emory University. Although investigators believe a hatred towards women was more a motive than race, Asian communities throughout the country are on alert, angered, outraged, and sickened by the recent string of violence towards Asians. The investigation into a possible hate crime. Our investigation is looking at everything, so nothing is off the table. It looked like a hate crime to me. This was targeted at, at Asian spas. Uh, six of the women who were killed were Asian, so it's difficult to see it as anything but that. The only shooting victim who survived the attack is a Latino man, Elcias Hernandez Ortiz. He suffered a non-fatal shot to the head that traveled into his lungs. He is now hospitalized in intensive care. While the motive behind Tuesday's rampage remains under investigation, some see it as a wake-up call to stand up against a rise in violence in the Asian community. Nearly 3,800 incidents of anti-Asian violence have been reported to stop AAPI Hate, a group tracking hate incidents against Asian American and Pacific Islander communities. 500 of those reports alone were made so far this year.
And for more on this troubling situation, let's go to Chris Liu. He's a former White House cabinet secretary under President Obama and a senior fellow at the University of Virginia's Miller Center. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Welcome. Thank you. Chris, the investigation, as we know, is in its early stages. But as you already know, Cherokee County officials came out on Wednesday explaining the shooter's actions as not being racially motivated. Nevertheless, for many in the Asian-American community and beyond, the shooter was clearly targeting one particular group. What are your thoughts on this? We need to let this investigation play out, but it is very clear that the shooter was focused on a, a certain demographic. Whether that technically meets the definition of hate crime is yet to be seen. But what this needs to be considered uh, it is in context of, you know, the 3,800 incidents that have occurred over the past year, the 150% increase in hate crimes, and the broader history of Asian Americans in this country being ostracized, seen as foreigners, seen as not trustworthy. And wrapped into all of this is the really troubling rhetoric that we've seen over the past year blaming Asians and Asian Americans for COVID. And so regardless of whether this investigation finds a hate crime, it's created so much fear and anxiety and frustration in the Asian American community. Of the roughly 3,800 reports of anti-Asian violence we just described, two-thirds were made by women, and that's according to that group, Stop WAPI Hate, which tracks hate incidents against Asian American and Pacific Islander communities. What is driving this violence, particularly against women? Again, there's a long history in this country of uh, Asian American women uh, being uh, hypersexualized, being seen in a misogynistic way, being seen as weak, being seen as objects. And so you can't ignore that history when you look at these statistics. And so it's troubling. And it's why that so many people in my community are in fear right now. And let's layer on top of that all of the incidents that we've seen in recent months that have been targeted at senior citizens in the Asian American communities, where they've been punched, they've been pushed down, they've been knifed. And so understandably, there's a lot of fear. Uh, the president and vice president are meeting with groups today, and that's very welcome. But we need more right now than comforting words. We need action. Georgia passed its own hate crimes law last year, and now the suspect could in fact be charged under that statute. What can we expect to see? Well, it is notable that until last year, Georgia was one of the few states that did not have a uh, hate crimes legislation. Again, in order to prove a hate crime, you really need to get into the motive of the assailant, and that's going to be challenging in this situation. Uh, hate crimes obviously allow you to, uh, uh, to bring more charges against uh, an assailant. Uh, that certainly makes it easier to uh, reach a plea deal, to add additional uh, prison time on. But again, whether this is an actual hate crime or not, we need to consider the broader rhetoric that's happening in this country, the ostracism of the Asian American community that's happening. And you just see that all around right now, including from our elected leaders. As we mentioned earlier, President Biden will be meeting with Asian American leaders in Atlanta today. What do you hope will come out of that meeting? Well, the president will provide comforting words, and that is you know, really something that he is uniquely able to do. Importantly, this morning he issued a statement 
uh, supporting legislation that's being introduced in both the House and Senate that would increase the reporting of hate crime, provide more guidance to state and local officials, uh, really work to eliminate some of the anti-Asian rhetoric that exists uh, throughout government websites and language as well. So the words are important. Action is also important. And it's important that if we want to try to solve this problem, we have to actually understand what the problem is right now. And hate crimes across the board uh, uh, involving all racial groups is vastly underreported. So we need to get a better handle on that, not just on behalf of the Asian American community, but on behalf of the African American and Latino communities and the LGBTQ community as well. Chris, could the Department of Justice take up the case and what impact would that have? They certainly could. Uh, I think in this situation, they would be more likely to do some of the investigation, but allow local uh, in prosecutors to take on the case, because that's really where this is. Well, thank you so much for being with us once again. Chris Liu, Senior Fellow at the University of Virginia's Miller Center. Take care. Thank you. And now to Capitol Hill, where the House voted on Thursday to open a pathway to citizenship for young dreamers, immigrants, farm workers and TPS holders. But the bills face a steep climb in the Senate because Republicans are demanding that immigration bills contain steps to toughen border security. Edwin Piti has the latest details from Washington, D.C. Edwin, what can you tell us? Hi, Andrea. I can tell you that it was right outside Capitol Hill where DACA beneficiaries celebrated the moment when the House approved the Dream and Promise Act, taking a closer step towards a bill that could give them a chance to become American citizens. Nine Republicans supported the bill that now heads over to the Senate, where the real debate is set to start because Republicans have made clear they are not supporting, supporting it unless Biden controls the rise in migrants arriving at the U.S. border. If the bill becomes law, Dreamers will be able to apply for a permanent resident card and five years later for citizenship, but they must have a high school diploma or be in school, have no criminal record, and prove that they have been in the country before January 1st of 2021. The House also approved the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, which would establish a system for agricultural workers to earn temporary status with an eventual option to become permanent residents. To earn a green card, they would have to pay a $1,000 fine and work up to an additional eight years, depending on how long they have already held farm jobs. Both bills are aimed at tackling pieces of a larger immigration proposal put forth by President Biden at the start of his term. Democrats in the Senate have a lot of work to do because they would need 10 Republicans to support any immigration bill. But Senator Bob Menendez from New Jersey saying that the party could also consider taking up immigration efforts by way of reconciliation to approve it by simple majority. Reporting live in Washington, D.C., back to you, Andrea. And elsewhere on Capitol Hill, the Senate narrowly confirmed Javier Becerra as Health and Human Services Secretary on Thursday. He is the son of Mexican immigrants and his confirmation makes him the first Latino secretary of that department. The move also gives Becerra, the former California Attorney General, a crucial role in fighting the pandemic. The vote was extremely close, 50 to 49 along tight partisan lines. Only one Republican, Senator Susan Collins of Maine, joined Senate Democrats in voting to confirm Becerra. The vast majority of Republicans opposed Becerra's nomination over his support for abortion rights and his lack of a experience in the health care sector.
The Senate yesterday also confirmed William Burns to be President Joe Biden's CIA director, approving his nomination with no objections after Texas GOP Senator Ted Cruz lifted his hold. Biden tapped Burns as CIA director in January, turning to a longtime diplomat who was deputy secretary of state in the Obama administration and held foreign service posts for more than three decades. With his confirmation, Biden now has his full team of top national security officials in place. And the Pentagon weighing whether U.S. troops in Afghanistan could be in for a longer tour than expected. The Biden administration is considering its six-month extension with just weeks to go before the May 1st withdrawal deadline. That deadline was negotiated with the Trump administration and the Taliban. Defense officials say no final decision has been made, but a Biden administration official says the administration is considering this delay. In other news, some lawmakers want cameras in the highest court in the country. Two senators introduced the Cameras in the Courtroom Act. The bill would allow television cameras at Supreme Court hearings, which are already open to the public. Under the proposal, the nine justices could decide with a majority vote to remove the cameras if they violate due process rights. The Supreme Court added live audio streaming of its oral arguments during the pandemic, but they have not said if that would continue once they start in-person proceedings again. There are new social distancing guidelines for schools. The CDC announcing today that students can move from six feet to three feet distance in classrooms. But as Rafael Rodriguez explains, relaxing some COVID prevention measures could come at a cost. I think it's pretty clear that there are some states now that are pulling back, I believe, a bit more prematurely than they should. A couple of weeks ago, Alabama eased some restrictions. Y'all, we are definitely uh, indication that we are moving in the right direction. Not anymore. Alabama's average daily case count just climbed 90 percent in just one week. In Michigan, up 50 percent. Hotels prepping for spring breakers. A lot of the restaurants, of course, are available for seated dining again. Average daily case counts now rising in 17 states. I think that we are on the cusp of a fourth surge right now. Meanwhile, on the Hill, they're arguing over guidance that the vaccinated still wear masks. You want people to wear masks for another couple years. No. You've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. No, masks are not theater. Masks are protective. Every day that goes by where the entire population hasn't been vaccinated, uh, you know, you're, you're worried. It's a race, the virus and its variants versus vaccines. A little prick. About one in eight Americans are now fully vaccinated. The president promising 100 million shots in 100 days could very well meet that goal today, day 58. We have got to get the schools reopened. A quarter of parents with kids in online school reporting harm to their kids' mental and emotional health. Mitigation measures, meanwhile, can help even in high schools to significantly slow the spread. All this according to CDC reports published on Thursday. When we discussed this issue recently, I really detected a lack of a sense of urgency on your part. We are actively looking at our guidance to update it to address that science. The CDC announcing today that in the classroom, three feet of social distance, not six, will do the job. Rafael Rodriguez, U News.
And another coronavirus news. According to the federal government, travel restrictions with Canada and Mexico will continue. The Department of Homeland Security announced that the U.S. is extending travel restrictions with our northern and southern neighbors through April 21st. The move is to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and comes more than a year since the restrictions first were put in place. Also, Mexico's foreign ministry announced its own travel restriction measures at that country's northern and southern border starting today. The measures are to prevent the spread of COVID-19. The border restrictions will remain in place also until April 21st, just like the U.S. version. Mexico's decision to restrict border travel also comes as the U.S. is facing growing numbers of migrants crossing from Mexico into the United States. And back in Washington, Housing and Urban Development Secretary Marsha Fudge said she wants most of the temporary pandemic-related funding for her department made permanent. A good chunk of that is in the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that President Biden signed into law. It includes close to $50 billion in housing assistance for struggling renters, homeowners, and the homeless. Fudge also said she is planning, quote, major changes at housing and urban development. She described the situation she inherited at HUD as under-resourced and understaffed. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both parties are very far apart. Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. The Environmental Protection Agency's climate change website is back after a four-year hiatus. The EPA relaunched the website as part of the Biden administration's efforts to address climate change and, quote, restore science. EPA officials say it's critical for Americans to have access to information and resources about protecting the environment. In the first year of the Trump administration, there were several changes to various EPA websites, in many cases, climate change language was eliminated. And in consumer news, the FCC has issued its largest fine in history. Texas-based telemarketers will now have to pay $225 million for sending about 1 billion robocalls claiming to sell insurance. The calls came during the first four months of 2019. Many of them were illegally spoofed. That means they have a fake caller ID, making them appear to come from a nearby location. The FCC says the callers falsely claim to sell insurance from well-known companies like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and Cigna. To combat this issue, the FCC is creating a new response team that will focus on anti-robocall efforts. Peloton is sending a warning out to owners of its Tread Plus treadmills, saying children should be kept away from these machines. This comes after a child died in an accident involving one of those models. Peloton says it is, quote, aware of only a small handful of incidents involving the Tread Plus where children have been hurt. In general, exercise equipment can be dangerous for small children. A 2014 U.S. National Institutes of Health study found that 25,000 kids under the age of 10 are injured by exercise equipment each year. In tech news, search giant Google is doubling down on office space. 
It is the latest tech company to commit to more office space. Despite the spike in remote working amid the pandemic, Google said Thursday it's planning to invest upwards of $7 billion in offices and data centers in the U.S. A billion of that will be invested in the company's home state of California. Offices outside California will also be expanded, with Google planning to add thousands of roles in Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Chicago, and New York. And BMW is showing off its new line of electric sports cars. The luxury automaker unveiled its i4 electric sports car. The i4 has similar features to gas-powered vehicles in BMW's 4 Series. Versions of the electric sedan can produce up to 530 horsepower. The i4 is expected to go on sale in Europe later this year and in the U.S. in 2022. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review.